Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the final episode of the Arsblog 20 podcast series. We have gone from 2002 to 2022, recapping each year with a guest, one year for each year of Arsblog's existence. February 27th, 2002 is when I uh, sat down at my computer in my house in Spain and wrote the first Arsblog post and uploaded it and all the rest. And if you'd said to me then, 20 years later, you're going to be still doing it and it's going to be bigger and better than anything you could possibly have imagined, I would say, yeah, you are, you're absolutely crazy. But here we are, here we are. And I want to just take a moment to say thank you to every single one of you who over the years have uh, read the blog, read the news, commented on our news pieces, uh, listened to the podcast, uh, attended live events, whatever else, whatever part you've played in the 20 years of Ars Blog, thank you very, very much indeed. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, how much it means to me and all of us here at Ars Blog. And from my perspective in particular, to be able to say that... I write and talk about the football club that I support for a living is just, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I never in a million years would have thought that when I started Arsblog 20 years ago, I would be doing this and it would be basically my job. And that is in no small part down to you guys and the consistency and the loyalty and everything that you've shown towards what we do here on the website. Um, I want to say a special thanks as well to our Patreon members who allow us to do things which improve the site for everybody. Um, an example of that would be this year when we've basically gone completely ad-free. There are no ads whatsoever on arsblog.com. We've got one ad on Arsblog News. This is something that we put in place when we uh, redesigned the site, uh, arsblog.com and Arsblog News, uh, for mobile and for desktop. I think it looks great on both of those. And it was a question of, well, wouldn't this be better without ads all over it? And we were never big on pop-ups and all that kind of stuff, as you know yourself. So, But even still, it felt nice to be able to do away with with advertising because purely and simply it makes the site look better and it makes it easier for you guys to use it. The support on Patreon has also allowed us to 
expand our coverage for everybody in general, uh, because one of the things I always wanted to make sure was that um, when we launched Patreon was that everything that was free was always going to remain free. And we've done that and we've added to it. Uh, But I hope as well that we've given you good value for money as well every month. I know you put your hand in your pocket and it's hugely appreciated. And hopefully we've given you plenty extra and we will continue to do that and strive to do that as well, to expand what we do in general and also to give you guys more. So in this particular episode, rather than talk about 2022, because it's only two months old and we don't want to rehash a whole load of podcasts from uh, the last couple of weeks, I thought what I would do is ask our uh, Patreon members in the Discord for questions that they have about Arsblog, the site, the history, how it works, how it operates, and all that kind of stuff. And I will go through as many of those as I can. Some of them I can't because they're just a touch on the sensitive side. Um, I hope you understand that. There are certain things that I can't make public and don't want to make public, not top secrets or anything like that, but there are just certain aspects of it uh, that I can't go into, but I will do as many of the questions as I possibly can from our members on the Discord. So, before I get started, if you do want to sign up and support what we do on Patreon, it's a fiver a month. You get instant access to everything, ad-free podcast, Discord chat, you get the poorly drawn month, the waffle podcast, statements podcast, preview podcast for every Premier League game and all the big cup games that we play, and hopefully next season we'll be uh, doing European preview podcast so there's one of those before every single game and lots more besides you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash arsblog okay i'm going to go through these questions chronologically well in the order that they were received anyway and burn the ashes says why did 7 a.m kickoff stop doing the by the numbers um i mean there was no falling out or anything like that not at all uh i think tim was uh, finding it difficult to balance the uh, the online stuff with real life work and real life in general, so that was it. There was nothing nothing major. Scott is doing those right now. Chief Wang Kerr says, <laughs> uh, "How many children did you have to sacrifice to the magpies in order to be so successful?" I'm afraid if I give you that information, the magpie uh, police will come after me. So that one is a bit of a top secret. David Baratunk says, "Who is the person you'd most desperately love to interview, but the interview would harm the identity or integrity of our blog?" That's quite an interesting question, but I'm not sure there really is anyone that I can think of. I suppose once you have editorial control over the interview, and it's not just like a a PR piece or uh, that's one for James, a PR piece, you know, where you're allowed ask the right questions. I don't really think there's anybody um, that I could think of that would fit that particular bill. Um, Roro Safaro says, what's the single most viewed blog and listened to podcast? I can't tell you about the blog. I don't know. It's very difficult to measure that. There are um, stats that we could probably dig up, but I can't uh, figure out a way to get the individual biggest blog post. I can tell you, though, that the biggest, um, most downloaded podcast anyway um, was episode 454 of the Arsecast called Alexis and the Mug Smashers. And I've got no idea why this is the case, but it received close to 400,000 downloads, which is um, 
substantially more than the average. Um, some of our other big episodes have come in near 200,000, like the Sesk interview and, and what have you. Um, but I don't know why that one is out on its own, but it is according to the uh, statistics within my ACAST control panel. Sajak says, did you ever have doubts about what you were doing and did you ever think it wasn't sustainable? Um, I mean, I never did it to be sustainable in a way. So I didn't really have that as a consideration, to be honest. Do I have doubts about what I was doing? No, I don't think so. It was really always just sitting down and writing what I think about Arsenal or a game or a situation. So that was never complicated, if you like. Um, there was a point where I did have to think about whether to go full time with it or not. I think I explained that in the podcast that I did with James. There is a uh, an interview, uh, a podcast in which James interviews me about Arsblog and some of the uh, history and what have you that you can find. But it was never, I never doubted what it was I was going to do every day or what I was going to say or how we were going to do things on, on the podcast or on the website. Uh, how many contributors do you have, says Kev the Gooner? It's a good question. I think we've probably got around 10 to 12 people who contribute on a regular basis. Um, those are people that write for the site, um, who contribute on podcasts on a regular basis. And of course, uh, Tom, who looks after all the technical side of things, the servers and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so I reckon about 10 to 12. See, Alan96 says, how many hours a week do you typically put into the site from operating, podcasting, researching? Uh, obviously, it's all a labor of love, but I'm curious how much time you dedicate to your fellow gooners who appreciate the work you do and the content you provide. I will say that this season has been quieter because we obviously haven't had European football, but there aren't really a, a prescribed amount of hours every day. It depends on what you're doing, depends on what's happening, how busy it is, if there's press conferences, if there are projects that we're doing, etc., etc. Um, you know, it's not a case of, of sitting down nine to five every day and doing, uh, doing it that way because, you know, that's not how football works. It's not the way the football world operates and you can be busy during the week, but you're also busy at the weekends too. So it's a collection of hours over the, over the course of the week. Uh, Jay Gooner says, what level of personal satisfaction do you get when writing the blog? Does this go up and down like form? Yes, it does a bit. It depends uh, what you're writing. Of course, if you're writing about, let's say, a recent 2-1 win over Wolves, those blogs are always great fun to do. When the football is fun and when, when things are going well, those are always great to do. It's not always great to talk about how things are bad or to analyze why things aren't going great or to be critical. Nobody really wants to be super critical all the time, but you can only deal with what happens. But I do find or have found that that some of the best writing I think I produce is when there's an element of adversity to the situation that we find ourselves in and trying to f uh, find an explanation or a rationale for it. It can be challenging. So it, I guess, takes you out of your comfort zone a bit. But yeah, like anything, there are days when you think I've written well today and there are days where you go, there wasn't much to write about and I couldn't really do a great deal about that. So like any day, like anything, there are, there are good days and bad days, but it's always satisfying to get the blog out in the morning. Jim Ray says, how many past or current players that you know of read the blog or listen to the podcast? A few. 
not huge amount, but then I don't know too many of them and I don't know what they listen to or read. But, uh, you know, there have been some high-profile ones. Ian Wright's been a, a great supporter uh, over the years. And I know Cesc Fabregas was a, a reader when he was a player at Arsenal and a young man learning about the club. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Simon Partey-King says, how close have you, have you been to packing it in over the years? Was there a particular standout fuck this moment? No, never. I've never thought about not doing it. Um there have been some difficult days, of course, but I've never gone to that extreme with it. I've never thought, uh, never, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, no, that that hasn't happened. James Reef says, is Sylvester dead? If so, how did he die? If not, what became of him? Sylvester, a character on the Arsecast. Um, is he dead? No. What became of him? I don't know. He just sort of disappeared into the into the online ether. Who knows? Maybe he'll be back one day. Uh, YG1994 says, What advice would you give to someone looking to start an Arsenal-related blog or website? Uh, Just do it. Don't think about it. Get it going. Get writing or talking or producing or designing or whatever it is and and do it. Don't prevaricate. Don't dilly-dally. Produce content on a regular basis. Engage with your audience. Use social media. And the one thing I always uh, tell people when they ask me um, for advice or or um, tips about writing and all that kind of stuff is just be honest. Be honest. Because if you try and tell people what you think they want to hear, you'll catch yourself out. You'll contradict yourself somewhere down the line. But if you can look back on things and say, well, I was honest there. I know what I think. I know what I thought back then. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe I got it wrong. Nobody can get it right all the time. But you know that when you were sitting down and you were writing or you were talking, that you were giving your honest opinion, not what you think people want to hear, not the kind of nonsense that some people go on with to try and build an audience when they know they're just talking bollocks just to get a reaction. So don't do that. That would be my biggest piece of advice. Boonana says, how do you get your separately recorded podcast intros so in sync in volume and timing with your guests saying hi? Um, Well, one is practice. Uh, Two is recognizing the tone with which they have said hi in a previously recorded intro so that when I do my little uh, monologue or whatever you want to call it at the start of the podcast, it matches in tone. Uh, For example, you're not going to be super upbeat and high and high energy with somebody whose greeting was hello, you know? You just have to do it that way. Then in terms of the sound, the volume, that kind of stuff, a little bit of uh, sound production work, which I think um, isn't too complicated. Uh, and uh, I wish more podcasts would use myself, to be honest. Uh, Oburn 49 any plans to make it over to a game this year? And are you a good omen for attending games? Uh, I hope so. I'd love to get back to a game and I hope we, uh, I'll get over before the end of the season. Um, I really uh, have missed it. I haven't been there since 2019 because of obvious reasons, but it would be great to get back. Am I a good omen? Sometimes and sometimes uh, maybe I'm not, but I don't think it's me really at the end of the day. I'm not sure. John Larkin says, congrats on 20 years. Is there a special podcast slash blog that stands out to you most in terms of it being your favorite, most controversial Best viewership. This I find really difficult because I forget stuff that I do pretty quickly. Like I'll write something and forget it. I'll talk or do something on a podcast and I'll forget it really, really quickly. And people remind me of stuff and I'm like, 
I don't remember doing that at all. Um, I suppose some of the real life blog posts might be some, um, you know, where it's not about football, it's about the world. Maybe some of those. I know there was a post um, that I wrote about Arsene Wenger titled When, which uh, seemed to go down very well. But in general, I don't remember. And um, I don't know if that's like a big failing on my part or just simply a causation from doing this every single day that it all gets jumbled up in my brain. I think when you're a reader or a listener or whatever it is, things stick with you much longer than when you are a a creator, if you like. Like I can remember stuff that other people have written on other websites or said on other podcasts far better than I can remember stuff that I've done on Arsblog, which is weird, but true. Oliver Wood GK says, how much contact do you have with people at Arsenal? Do you have insiders who let you know what's going on? It doesn't really work like that. I mean, down the years, obviously, I've got to know uh, people at the club um, in various uh, departments and what have you. Um, But like, I'm not a journalist who's out to like land the scoop or get the transfer info or anything like that. So I always feel like you should respect people's boundaries in a way. Um, like, I don't want anyone to feel like uh, my connection with them is simply based on me trying to get information from them or anything like that. Or if I were to ask them something, would they feel compromised in some way? I, you know, I don't want to ever put anyone in that position, so I don't really do it. But obviously, there are things that you hear and there are people that you talk to and you do get information uh, along the way. OPJ says, did you ever lose out on any potential guests or partnerships due to all the swearing on the blog? I mean, probably. Probably, but I can't think of any examples off the top of my head. And certainly it's a lot less sweary than it used to be. But then I guess that happens when you start something when you're 30 and you're still doing it when you're 50. Um, it, it tends to become a bit different uh, over time. But yeah, I'm pretty sure. I remember when Ole Ole bought out the site, one of the first things that they did was remove the it's fucking excellent from the the title bar uh, because they didn't want that in the search results because, well, I guess you know, they were trying to, um, to monetize everything to the maximum extent and blue chip advertisers, if you like, don't want to um, put their ads on a site where the title is, it's fucking excellent, which, you know, seems fucking stupid to me, but there you go. Amandeep says, massive congratulations on the milestone. Has the club ever contacted you over any of the blogs you've published? I think it happened once where I got a call from the communications department to talk about one particular post over one particular issue where they wanted to, I think, just correct some information. But you always have to recognize that, um, and I don't mean this to be in any way disrespectful, but the club have their agenda and the certain information that they want to get out there in certain ways. But like in 20 years, like, no, there's never been any pressure from the club or or uh, interference or anything like that. You know, uh, I think we have a, a pretty cordial relationship, uh, which is great, but trying to maintain uh, a measure of independence or editorial independence means that there is a, an element of distance um, as well. Jmart91 says, what is a standard daily routine? That changes, it really does, but I can tell you my morning routine is exactly the same. I get up, I let Lana out the back, Archer goes into the bedroom for an extra snooze, Lana gets a snack, I make coffee, I go upstairs, I sit down at my uh, at my computer, 
and I write arse blog. And then I come downstairs and make breakfast and have a bit more coffee and, and we go from there. So what happens after that can really depend, but that is how arse blog is done every single morning. Two Copper Pieces says, if you could have irrelevant Arsblog branded products, what would your top three be? Uh, for example, Arsblog ruffles, Arsblog pillowcases, Arsblog pies. I think uh, Arsblog flip-flops, Arsblog lightsabers would be great. And uh, Arsblog stick-on tattoos, like those ones you used to get when you were a... Uh, when you were a kid. Um, B-Jam says, what's the most shambolic state you've been in when recording a pod uh, or the pod that's been the most unusual, exceptional to record? Uh, there was one early on, relatively early on, where I recorded most of the podcast in the afternoon, went out that evening and came back in the last 10 minutes of the podcast is basically me absolutely pissed talking to my dog. Not uh, Archer, but Opus, the uh, arseblog basset hand, who was a, a feature in the site back in the day. And I know that when James and I went to New York and did a live show there, by the end of that, we were both fairly well cut because people kept just dropping shots up onto the stage, which, you know, would have been rude of us to to refuse. So... What can you do? Valer says, I know you've talked about rejecting The Athletic because of your past experience. Is there a company or organization out there that you'd be willing to merge with? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Um, I like the independence and I like to be able to do things the way I want to do them. Two Gun Pete says, can you include that clip from Irish Radio where the guy interviewing you can't get over the name Arsblog? I remember having a good laugh at that however many years ago it was. I remember it happening, but however many years ago it was, I just don't know. I know it's on one of the Arscasts, I think but I can't find the clip. I did have a look. Um, no, no, so yeah, yeah, says, is there a singular event post or podcast that made it clear to you that this is now your job slash life? No, not really. Um, no, I don't think there was any one, but it was clear after a while that after the whole Ole Ole thing went wrong, that um, this was going to have to be my life because I had no idea what else to do. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, what the shit will I do if I have to go back in and, and get a real job? Dan Keenan, 79, says, Happy anniversary. Which guest have you had that was the rudest, most obnoxious, or least arsed? I have to say, I think I've been really, really lucky in all my years of doing the podcast where... I don't think I've ever really had a terrible experience with, with any guest. There have obviously been some interviews that have gone better than others, but I don't remember anybody who was like, ooh, this is awful or anything. So, uh, yeah, maybe I'm just really lucky. Amir m -m 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 11 says, given Arsblog's success, reach, and recognition as a leading uh, Arsenal fan media platform, has there ever been a point whereby you've had to consider the influence the platform has on the fan base before recording a podcast or posting a blog? This is an interesting one because I do think you have to recognize that uh, you might have a certain reach or, or what have you, but also you have to give people credit for the ability to understand situations or make their own decisions on things. Like, just because I say something doesn't make it fact. You know, other people can disagree, and I've always gone at things with the mindset that my opinion is my own, and other people can make their own minds up. Maybe I sway them one way or the other. I don't know. 
But I would never assume or or have the hubris to think that just because I say something, it will then become uh, accepted wisdom or anything like that. What I would say, though, is that, yes, there are things that you have to consider, and it it might be a case that you think carefully about how you say something, not whether or not you say it, but how you say it. Because as we know, football opinion can get a bit contentious. It can get a bit extremist. And I think you can have strong opinions on things, but they don't have to be quite as divisive as they are uh, in certain circumstances. So how you say something is really important, I think, anyway. Uh, The Nord says, want to get a beer? I do, actually. It's Friday evening uh, when I'm recording this one. It's almost five o'clock. So yes, I do actually want to get a beer. Boomer Gooner says, "Uh, over the years, I'm sure there's some stories that you weren't or decided not to uh, write about or weren't able to write about. With the benefit of water under under the bridge, are there any that you would like to share now? I wish I could, like, take out my big book of arse blog secrets and fill you all in on the many and varied things that have happened that are completely and utterly under wraps, and there would be national scandals if they came out. No. No, I'm joking. Uh, there really haven't been anything like that. I mean, there's certain times you get information in confidence or whatever it might be, but that then informs your opinion on certain matters, uh, and I think that's, that's an important thing to think about, that it doesn't just apply to me, but, you know, when somebody says something or they hold an opinion on something is it just them making it up in their head or or is there information that they're privy to which is um you know informing that uh, public opinion that they're willing to share pete coe says what are the origins of some of your recurring non-player based characters the angriest man on twitter holy god fm etc um i don't know i can't remember it's probably just me making up a silly voice and quite enjoying doing the silly voice and then finding a character that fits the silly voice. Again, this goes back to me just not remembering things and how they came to pass. Console says, how did you and James begin working together on the podcast? Did you have other co-hosts before him? Uh, James obviously had appeared on the regular Arsecast, but the Arsecast Extra began when I sent James an email on January 10th, 2014. This is the email that I sent. Hey, man. I know you're away or something, but when you get back, it would be good to have a chat. Was thinking about another podcast, perhaps something we could co-host, maybe take reader questions via Twitter, some calls, etc., etc. Might work best immediately after matches, but there's definitely a gap in the market for something more up-to-date. And uh, he was away. He was in Holland. Um, But when when he came back, uh, we got stuck into the Arsecast Extra, and blimey, it's, um, well, it's eight years since we did that. And this whole thing is making me uh, feel quite old. Willie J says, what were the toughest decisions you've had to make in order to stay true to your vision of Arsblog and stay true to its mission statement? Well, it doesn't really have a mission statement, uh, apart from it's fucking excellent. And uh, the toughest thing was really about whether to take it on full time after the Ole Ole uh, stuff uh, went south. Um because it probably would have been easier for me to just go and get a job and just carry on Arsblog as a as a part-time a hobby thing. But um, yeah, I'm pretty glad uh, I made the decision that I did. Lesh, I think it is. I think it's double L-E-S-H. says, what's your favorite cocktail? Like in the summer and mm, winter cocktail, an old-fashioned summer cocktail, Caipirinha. Greg Paleolog says, a simple and small question, was it intentional or by accident for Goodly Morning to become a thing? Completely 
uh, accidental slash organic, whatever you want to say. It just cropped up one day and there it is. Uh, it has become a thing. Same with the magpies. We have one magpie talk and pff, off it goes. So um, I, I think things are better that way. I don't know that you can just sort of contrive something like that into into existence. Crouchy says, um, what does the future hold for Arsblog? No idea. No idea at all. Uh, I've never been like a strategy guy. I don't think ahead. I don't plan too much, to be honest. I tend to just do stuff and see if it works. Um, and so far, so good in that regard. Uh, it doesn't seem like a very clever way to do things, but uh, I don't really know another way of doing it. So hopefully just more um, more of this and more of whatever people want um, and we'll try and give it to them and hopefully uh, that's coupled with some, some Arsenal trophies as well. Spiffle Spaffle, what sort of analytics do you get on the site? Can you get info on when people play certain podcasts, etc.? I think now more than ever there are analytics for everything like you can measure all kinds of stuff to like really granular levels but I don't do any of it. I don't do it. I think you can get hung up on stats and numbers and things like that. And and the focus for me has always been to produce the best possible Arsenal content. And after that, it's out there and it will do its own work. And I'm not going to get sidetracked by looking at, okay, if I do this kind of title, it's good for search engines, or you get more clicks if you word things in certain ways. I'm just not interested in that at all. So I don't really uh, look into it. Lowy133, favorite arse blog, five-a-side moment. I guess it's the first year that we did it, um, five-a-side. Uh, we played uh, at Market Road, I think. Is that where, what it was called? First year we came over, um, the green team, the Irish team, A, we couldn't get on top of the rule that you guys have in England where you can't step inside the box. And if you do, it's a penalty. I think we gave about 24 penalties away. But apart from that, smashing a shot out out of the ground, basically, with my first shot, um, that was a real favorite moment. The green team, of course, did win it a couple of years, and there were great days, and it's a brilliant way of, of bringing the community together because it is a football community at the end of the day. You play football together, you have fun together, you drink and eat together, and, and there's nothing quite like it. It's um, provided some of the best memories uh, of my entire time doing Arsblog. Conrad P says, are you now able to tell the full story about the Ole Ole debacle? I think I did on the history podcast I did with James, but basically they ran out of money. That was the long and the short of it. They stopped paying me. And when someone stops paying your wages, you, uh, you're in trouble. And that's kind of where it begins and ends. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, the Zeke Meister says, I want to know more about the man blogs himself. I know a bit about DJing and some bits and bobs about your background. I want to know how it all led to the site, the podcast, and how the transition into it being a career happened. That is all in that history podcast with James, the interview podcast. So I'll link to that in the in the show notes of this one. Would also like to hear about your VO work. Um, I've had a, quite a sad week, actually, because uh, a long-standing gig that I've had, I was the voice of, well, it was Satanta Sports in Africa, then it was Fox Sports in Africa, and it's been ESPN Africa for the last few years. I've done all the voiceovers uh, for that TV channel, and they've uh, they've gone in a, a different direction um, now, which is a bit of a shame because I've always enjoyed doing that work. But I do lots of voiceover work, um, TV commercials, radio commercials, that kind of thing. And I was even in a uh, an animated movie once, which is great. I would love to do more of that kind of stuff. Uh, voice acting, if you like, rather than just sort of voiceovers. Come to Bob's Cars this weekend for a great sale. That sort of stuff is is easy. Um, so if, you know, there's anyone out there making their own animated movies and they would like uh, some voice guy, please feel free to get in touch. I have a range of very silly voices, I think. Uh, Connor Butler says, congrats on the anniversary. Would you ever consider an Arsblog event for all the members? I mean, it would be great, of course. Uh, it's a w- bit weird at the moment because of pandemics and all that kind of stuff. And I guess we'd have to find somewhere quite big. But that is certainly something that we would like to get back to doing, live events, live podcasts, those kinds of things. Again, they're such fun. It's such great um, crack to me, everybody. And, um, you know, to put faces to names and all of that kind of stuff. So hopefully we can uh, start doing that again uh, Uh, in the not-too-distant future. Mark Nella says, of all the podcasts I listen to, yours is the only one I can actually hear properly while in the shower. Okay. What is your process for mastering, or does the software you use do it automatically? Would you ever consider giving a masterclass to all other podcast producers and explaining things like EQ to them? (laughs) Maybe... The filter I use is a Dynamics compressor. That is what I use. It makes everything the same volume, and it gives it a bit of, like, oomph, so to speak, which is uh, probably why you can hear it in the shower. Uh, I, I am quite a stickler for sound quality. I want it to be loud. Too many podcasts are quiet, um, and I want to make sure that, like, all the guests are the same sound. You know, you're not having to turn it up, turn it down, that kind of stuff. If other podcasters want a masterclass, please. Please get in touch with my agent. And as soon as I get an agent, I'll let you know who that is. Asleep Bobcat says, how do you write every day? How hard was writing every day initially? Um, Not really. I would say it's a bit like this. You know, if you try and learn a foreign language as as an adult, it's more difficult because you're very conscious of the fact that you're learning. Whereas... If you're a kid and you sort of just start speaking and listening to a foreign language, 
it's almost like second nature. You pick it up and I've been doing it for so long that uh, I don't ever think I found it that difficult, to be honest. It was just something I started doing and um, here we are. Scully says, with the amount of time the Arsblog universe takes to provide amazing coverage it does, are you ever tempted to bin it and sell it or find something a little more nine to five? No, nine to five is just not something I can deal with at all. Um, I'd feel oh, hugely restricted by that, to be honest. So no, absolutely not. And it's, it's good time. I enjoy that time. ERC Moose says... How have you improved the website uptime and performance over the last two or three years? I seem to remember Arsblog news would take ages to load after any halfway important game. That is true. When, uh, you know, we'd have a game and you do the match report and you do the player ratings. Uh, yeah, it would get really, really busy. But uh, to this, I have to give all the credit in the world uh, to Arsblog Tom, who has put in place a, uh, I don't really understand the server setup that we have. Basically, we have this thing where the website exists in all these little pods or something. And when we need more pods, the pods fire up. And when they don't, they delete themselves or something like that. And we've got a, a cluster and there's all kinds of stuff that I just don't really understand. When it started, it was basically a shared web server. I would FTP in and like upload the site and all that kind of stuff. But as it grew, obviously the demands and the traffic and, and the bandwidth and all that kind of stuff is much more significant now than it was um, 20 years ago. That's obvious. But it demands a, a, a level of expertise that I certainly don't have and Tom is responsible um, for keeping everything up and going. Uh, we have a few blips here and there along the way, but that's part and parcel of the whole experience. So, um, yeah, that's what we've done. I don't really understand it to a great level, but I trust what Tom tells me when he says, we need this or we should do that. And I go, okay, <laughs> you look after that side of things. Uh, I'll just concentrate on, you know, the words and the sounds and stuff like that. So that's how we do it. Garod says, how did you initially market the site and gain followers, given that social media is such a huge part of doing that now? I didn't. I never did. I just made the stuff. I wrote the blog. I put the podcast out and people came along and found it. I'm guessing, to a large extent, word of mouth was a big part of that. But also, if you do produce on a consistent regular basis i think people dig the schedule like if they know there's going to be a blog every day they'll come and read the blog every day if they don't know when there's going to be a blog like if it was sometimes on a tuesday maybe on a thursday you might do it you know you're never going to get the the regularity or frequency of visitors so that's what played a big part in in kicking it off and also i think the timing in some ways was was important too because as our blog started to grow people also started to get always on internet connections. You know, it wasn't the case that it was just dial-up anymore. People were getting like ADSL and that kind of stuff. So their computer was always connected to the internet. And I think that was a big factor as well. Right, I'm going to try and fly through uh, the rest quite quickly now. Jez Box says, what was the secret of the mighty Green Army success over many years at the Arsblog Five Asides? Uh, a perfect blend of youth and experience and talent and uh, contrary, I think, is probably the best way to put it. Toby Lillyleaf says, will you ever write a book again maybe um there are no plans nothing in the uh, pipeline i'll say that it's not impossible but the next thing uh, i'm planning the next project is more of an audio based project uh, than written so it's not going to happen anytime soon um 
Is there anything you would have done differently if you knew what you know now back then? What are the three biggest things, asks Gunnosaurus. I don't know, to be honest. I, I can't think of anything that I would have done markedly differently than, uh, than I did it. Um, I, hindsight is an amazing thing. If we could apply it to all aspects of our life, I'm sure there are things that we would have done differently, but I can't really think of anything from an Arsblog perspective. Castle says, uh, considering all the big interviews you've done over the years with Arsenal players, which was your favourite and which one ended uh, ended up being much funnier or easier interview than you had anticipated? Um, I think my favourite is the Sesk one, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I feel like we did a lot, but also only kind of scratched the surface of that. So I'd love to go back for part two with that one. I don't know one that ended up being much funnier or easier than I anticipated. Martin Keown was an interesting one because he was very serious. He's quite a serious guy. And, um, you know, I try and keep the tone a bit lighthearted on Arsblog, as you guys know. And I think I tried a couple of times with with questions to to add, not jokes or whatever, but just a kind of a levity to them. And he was having none of it, absolutely none of it. But once you get on top of where he's coming from, then it's it's fairly plain sailing. The Real Chicken Dipper says, have you always been an early riser with the plan to deliver the blog super early for us mortals? Or did you have to train in the mountains a la Rocky Four to be this disciplined? I used not to be an early riser because I used to spend a lot of time working at night, DJing and stuff like that. Uh, you know, you'd be working till three, four, five in the morning, come home and sleep. I mean, in the winter, there were times where you come home, it was dark, you get up, it was dark and you wouldn't see daylight for a little while. But in general, I prefer to get up early. I like to get up early. I feel like I can get a lot done if I get up early in the day. Um, I know that's not true for everyone, but it's just the way that I operate. And if I sleep it out or sleep in or something, I feel like I've I've wasted a very productive part of the day. So uh, there are mornings, you know, where you'd like to lie in bed a little bit longer, but um, duty calls and all that kind of stuff. Brian Regan 09 says, how often has, uh, how often, if any, has running the whole machine felt like a massive chore, like sitting in bed, alarm goes off and you think you couldn't be fucking arsed today. And when those moments happen, what do you do to combat that? Because at the end of the day, we are human. We all get days like that um, and people become, uh, you know, they depend on the content, et cetera, et cetera. I tell you what, Look, it's, I've never felt like, oh, God, this is too much for me to do. The only time when that happens is if, you know, you've been out for a night the night before and it goes on a bit longer and you wake up in the morning and you're a bit hungover and you think, oh, I'd love for someone else to do this just for today. But it's not a case that, like, the work itself is a chore. It's that I have self-inflicted this this pain upon myself and therefore... I feel like, well, I can't really complain, can I? This is my fault, so i got to get up and do it. It's my job and responsibility to get up and do it, so get up and do it, which I uh, pretty much always do. Now, to be fair, that may have an impact on what I write and how I write on days like that when you're maybe just uh, a little bit hungover slash still a bit pissed, but I'm often quite pleased with what I produce on days like that. Greenkeeper JHB says, how long have you been writing or how long had you been writing Arsebog before you started podcasting? The website started in February 2002 and the podcast started in October 2006. So yeah, just over four years. Uh, some other questions there about the Arsecast Extra, but I think I've, I've um, answered those. 
Uh, BSM789 says, what's the weirdest, most surprising place where someone has recognized you? It's happened uh, quite a bit, actually, which is weird because, like, I'm not really that visible. Uh, you know, don't do a lot of video stuff and all that. So it's always a bit of a surprise when people do recognize me. But it's happened in, in New York, walking down the street, someone recognized me. There was a good story here, and I was walking down the road with Mrs. Bloggs one day uh, in Dublin on South William Street, and this uh, bunch of lads in their early 20s were going down the road, and one of them walked past me and went, Yo! Arsblog, you're the man. And I was like, hi, hello to you. And his friend turned around to him and went, you fucking idiot, you. And the the lad went very, very red indeed. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it happens, and it's always really, really surprising to me. Spike Lobster says, if you could erase all music from Maroon 5 or Phil Collins off the planet forever, which would you choose? And you can't choose both. Phil Collins, of course. Phil Collins. That way we would never have to hear in the air tonight again. And I think the world would be a better place for that, among many other things. Uh, Elizabeth's Royal Arsenal and G Sizzle ask a similar question. What are the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in the past 20 years of Arsblog? It's so difficult to say, to be honest. There have been some incredible, incredible moments. Um, in terms of football, I think we share all of those. The lows are the things that we all share. Uh, the moments where it didn't work for us. And, um, you know, on a personal level, I haven't really been things related to the site itself, for example, uh, that I would consider a, a low. San Carico says, uh, are there any situations where you've been privy to a story about the club, player, or manager, but could not share it with the audience because of legal or, or, or confidentiality reasons? If so, give us a hint. Well, I mean, uh, I can't give you a hint, but I think, as I said earlier on, like I'm not an ITK or I'm not pretending to know a load of stuff that I don't know. But what I would say is that there are times where you become aware of information which you can't explicitly say out loud, if you know what I mean, but they inform the way you write and they inform your opinions on certain things. And I think you have to leave it up to the audience and the intelligence of the audience to read between the lines, so to speak, uh, on certain matters. And that's really kind of as much as I can say about that. But look, I am not sitting on any kind of classified information that if it came out would be some kind of, you know, huge scandal or, or anything like that. I don't think there's anything like that uh, out there. And the final one, um, from Elizabeth's Royal Arsenal uh, says, I've often contemplated the fact most people don't get to do something they sincerely love. Also pondered how one goes about finding a calling and what it must uh, feel like. I'm assuming Arsbog is a labor of love and it's certainly your calling because your talent and dedication can't be denied. So what's it like to have a job you truly love and are damn good at? Uh, I feel extremely, extremely fortunate to have this as my job. Um, how do you find it? I don't know because I didn't plan it. I never planned for this to be what it is. Like if you sat down and thought about what your ideal job was or my ideal job was 20 years ago, I don't think I would have even come up with this because none of it existed. There was no such thing really as, uh, you know, podcasting. There was no such thing really as, you know, full-time independent uh, football writers. You kind of had to write for a newspaper or something like that. And there were people, of course, doing things in, in fanzines and on websites, but it wasn't a job. So even if you could conceive of the idea, it's just not possible to have come up with it. So I do feel extremely lucky, um, very fortunate, 
uh, proud and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, there isn't a single day goes by where where I take it for granted or the support that you guys um, out there and especially on Patreon uh, have given us. So that's really about that. That's it for this episode for 2022. Oh, I just want to say one more thing. Um, Going back to the cocktail question, I feel bad that I've left the margarita out. I really do. I love a margarita as well. So I've got to add that one to the list. So if you thought that was going to be something very profound at the end there, I do apologize. But there you go. Right. That is that for the Arsblog 20 podcast series. Again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for reading and listening and emailing and messaging and all of that kind of stuff. I love you all. And here's to the next 20 years. Jesus, imagine if I'm sitting here at 70 years of age doing the Arsblog 40. Hello and welcome to the Arsblog 40 podcast series. I hope you're all still here. I hope I am too. Thanks a million, folks, and we will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs>